Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back to the show Aaron Takis from the Lincoln Salt Dogs. So, Aaron, thanks for joining Kevin and I this week. Yeah, Rob, uh, I appreciate you and Kevin uh, having me on. It's, it's exciting. Well, let's first of all talk, Aaron, about, you know, this past season for you personally. Uh, you know, it seems like every year you're just putting up solid numbers, coming up, stealing bases, and adding some other dimension to your game. So so talk to us a little bit about your overall thought for yourself from this past year. Yeah, uh, this past year was something where, you know, it, it was a really weird year for me where I felt like I executed my game plan of what I wanted to do as a hitter and just got, you know, I, as, as much as it, as weird as it sounds, I just felt like I got pretty unlucky. Um so it was it was a weird year where, uh, you know, I felt like I was doing everything I could and things just weren't rolling my way. So that's the way it goes sometimes, but I felt like I was the best hitter I've ever been. And not only that, but the way I was handling the pitchers in the arms in the American Association was something I was honestly, uh, I could, you know, I could sleep at night and I was really proud of because I think the arms have been better than they've ever been. I mean, starters were up to like 95. You had quite a few relievers pumping it up to 100 miles an hour, upper 90s. So, I mean, the, the, the pitchers were definitely the best they've ever been in the American Association. So numbers weren't super great for me. I wasn't super happy results-wise. Um, you know, and, and that's something where me and my hitting coach down here are attacking that and, you know, maybe how to give myself a little bit better of a chance to, to get good results. But, you know, overall, I, I didn't feel like it was a bad season for me. Um, you know, just, just hashing out a couple things and, working on a couple things where I was able to turn around at the end of the season and want to, want to roll that into, into 2024. It's interesting to hear you talk about a, kind of a disappointing season. Now, now I, I realize the batting average hasn't been where you've been in, in the previous couple of years, but first time in Lincoln, that's not the easiest park to hit in. <laughs> we can start with that. On base percentage, better than you've ever had. You know, your slugging numbers were up. Um, it, are you just – looking a little down on the batting average? Because I, I thought you had a real good season for the Salt Dogs. Uh, yeah, the batting average for sure. And uh, I think it's, you know, I really like where my OBP was at. Like you said, the on-base percentage was something that I, I really liked this year. Um, I liked where my slugging was at. I think uh, I think the main issue is just batting average. I think that would, if a, if a lot of things roll my way results-wise, because there was so many baseballs that I would just hit directly into the wind, or into the big part of the field that would get tracked down, or like a low-line drive where, you know, an outfielder or an infielder doesn't even need to move and it's right at them. So I think it's stuff like that where, you know, when I was looking at barrel percentage and expected weighted on base stuff, which is a lot of statistics that I end up kind of pulling on my own because the American Association doesn't really have that available, which is fine. Uh, but I was, a lot of the statistics where I could control – where it was, you know, evaluating my own self-performance because where the ball leads to that, there's nothing you can do about it. I was really, really happy with the numbers. So it was something that, like, you know, with the batting average and kind of with my OPS, I, I really struggled to accept that. But with, like, you know, with everything I did and how I could control what I did, I was really, really happy with those numbers. And I, you know, I think it's only going to get better next year and, you know, um, Praise God, man. I mean, he, he's so good to have coaches and stuff in my life where we can look at this stuff from an objective view and being able to turn it around and see what we can do to be better next season. Man, I'm I'm really excited. I think God's going to move on the field, and I'm I'm going to be a, a really dangerous player next year, not just 
not just a good player, but I, I truly believe I'm going to be, you know, the player I know I can be an all-star caliber and, you know, how God's blessed me on that field. If you could compare or contrast the difference between having Sioux Falls Stadium, the birdcage, as your home ballpark and then switching to um, Haymarket Park, did it result in a different approach at the plate? I have to imagine with the... Uh, <laughs> a little bit. So for Sioux Falls, it was it was a really – it was a different day every day you went there because there was a lot of wind going on. Sioux Falls is a pretty windy stadium. So depending on if it was blowing in or a crosswind or directly out, right? So, you know, Sioux Falls gets, gets known as a bit of a bang box where there can be a lot of home runs hit. But if the wind is blowing straight in, I mean, nothing's going to go there. So, you know, you've you got to change your focus a little bit to staying on top of the ball and low-line drives. You didn't really get that at Haymarket Park too much. Um, it was pretty true. You'd get a crosswind here and there. The only thing with the only thing in Lincoln is uh, – I don't know how much you guys have heard. The only thing in Lincoln is it's a little tough to see sometimes. Um, so it, it was definitely – it was definitely cool to be able to show up to the park pretty much every day and being able to have the same approach. You know, you you know that way you weren't you weren't too worried about like okay, is the wind blowing out? Is the wind blowing in? Because you know if the wind's blowing straight in, it's two falls. If you hit the ball in the air, it's going to be a graveyard. Uh, it's just the way just the way the stadium rolls. But yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of a a little bit different of a park factor with Haymarket and Sioux Falls. But I I love Lincoln, man. I mean. It was such a blessing that God put me there and getting traded there. That was one of my favorite places I've ever played at, favorite teams I've ever played for. The management and the front office was so awesome. I mean, playing playing for Brett Jody was just so cool, man. He was he was a great guy to play for. Yeah, I'm curious from you, Aaron. Is there any – you were, you start out in Lake Country, you know, play in Sioux Falls, play in Lincoln – improve your game having to play, you know, in three different parks in such a short period of stand, a short period of time? Or how does that affect you as a hitter, I guess? Um, not not too much, honestly. Um, you, you just kind of get used to it. My whole pro career, I've been moving around a ton, so I guess you could say I'm kind of used to it. It doesn't really affect me. Um, but I, I just think it's cool. You know, I think it's more of uh, an honorable standpoint and kind of a, a pride thing for me where it's like, you know, I've gotten to call so many different really cool stadiums home, even if it was for half a season like Lake Country and Sioux Falls where it was only 50 games apiece and, you know, 100 games with Haymarket Park. Like, being able to call those stadiums home for even a short period of time for half a season like that, that's just so cool, man. I mean, those stadiums are awesome. Um, I don't think it really affects me too much as a hitter. It's, you know, just being able to – be blessed and showcase the talent that God has gifted me with and that I've worked so hard for. Um, I mean, when the lights come on, it's just, it's just so much fun. It doesn't really matter what stadium you're in. And, you know, you'll get some that you like hitting at or like playing at a little bit more, but even just the opportunity to be there, I, I, I wouldn't say it really impacts me too much. Well, let's talk about the season itself. Um, boy, Salt Dogs were a team I thought was going to really battle for a playoff spot. And, and and, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way anyway, but it, it looked like just that closing role never really developed for the team. And um, that, that wound up being kind of the Achilles heel. So what, what was just kind of your thoughts as a player as the season was going along and you're battling for a playoff spot? What, what, what is that like for grinding out there for you every night? Yeah, it was fun, man. Um, I mean, 
I was right there with you. I, I thought we were – not only did I think we were going to be a playoff team, I thought we were going to be a really dangerous playoff team. Um, we, you know, the other two teams that I felt were as good or better than us – so with about a month left in season, I believe we were in second place. Uh, I think there was four weeks left, and that's that was uh, that's when my mindset was the same as your guys' where I was like, man, we can be dangerous. We played Kansas City really well. We've we've taken a lot of games from Sioux City. Like, we can, we can make a deep playoff run um, – and I'm not going to say too much about it. There was some stuff that went on where, uh, you know, the wheels kind of fell off for the team and we couldn't really figure it out and it just never got back to it, which is, you know, that's just part of baseball, man. Like, things don't roll your way. And like you said, like, we couldn't we couldn't find the closing lid. We had a pretty young team. Um, you know, I, I got to give credit to the teammates. So, like, even when things weren't going our way and we felt like we were getting unlucky on the field or, you know, whether it was umpires or just results or just baseball or whatever, you know, those, those guys came out and fought every day because we were a good team. And um, I, I think if you take that team and give us another hundred game season, we make playoffs for sure. But uh, like you said, yeah, man, like we just, we just couldn't find the closing lid and it's a shame, but that's just the way sports goes sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter how you start. We, we didn't finish too well and it's just the way the dice rolls. As the season was going along, um, you guys were getting very good starting pitching. It, I, I saw it coming into the season. That that outfield that you were going to be a part of was, was just incredibly dynamic. It looked like you guys were going to put up incredible numbers. And you did get fantastic season out of guys like Connor Finasse had a huge season for you. And But it looked like at times that the offense was – you just really weren't sure what you were going to get in Lincoln some, some nights there. I, I didn't think this was going to be a, a hugely potent lineup. So you guys found ways to score runs a lot of times. And what, what's the mentality like for the team as you're going through the season? And, I mean, I, I don't think you expected anybody was going to hit, you know, 25 homers and, and you know, kind of thing. So you were having to battle out every night for, for runs and stuff like that. Is that exciting to you? Do you enjoy that more where every at bat is a – is that all-out war kind of thing? Uh, I think we were super confident in ourselves, and I think it was really fun because our team wasn't one-dimensional. Um, we had a lot of different ways we could score runs. We were doing hit and runs a lot. I mean, we had guys that were hitting home runs. Um, you know, I expected a little bit more out of myself in the terms of home runs, but, you know, we, we had Connor Panis hitting, like Connor Panis, uh, Nick Anderson, Yanio Perez, uh, I mean, those guys were out there just slugging the ball. And, uh, I mean, Luke Roskam, too. Those guys were just out there slugging. And, we, you know, we had so many guys that just had so many good aspects of the game. We could run base as well. We could hit for power. We could chip a couple runs. So it was cool where, like, you know, if we didn't have the long ball one day, it's, it's you know, it's fine. Like, we can still score runs. We can still chip stuff across with hit and runs and stolen bases and, and being scrappy or, you know, maybe if we're not really – getting a lot of hits the way we want to, you know, we, we get a walk, we get a hit and a guy can, you know, one swing can change the game or we get three runs off of one swing with a home run. So I think it was definitely more exciting that we were not one dimensional. And so that offense found a way to, to just scratch runs in any way that we could. So it was, it was really, really fun to see, you know, the guys being able to do that and, and pretty much every single way you can think of for an offense. Now you talked about working with hitting coach this off season. Um, what, what's Aaron Tackles' game going to improve? What, what, what's the area that you really want to step up this season? 
Yeah, so shout out Kevin Kaminsky if you're listening to this. I've been working with him since I was like 10 or 11 years old. Um, so wow. one thing we really want to improve, yeah, we, yeah we, he's he's been with me a while, man. Um, so the one thing we really want to improve on that we think is going to be huge for me is we're cleaning up the efficiency of my legs a little bit, and we did that the last two to three weeks of the season. Um, and by doing that, it's, so when, when you clean up the efficiency of the legs, we want to create a, a better angle with my knee and also staying back at the same time. And it's hard to describe a little bit when you don't have a visual, but what this does is it just opens up my hips a lot more, uh, and it's going to give me more space to work my barrel through. And this is also going to allow my barrel to play out front more. So what we're doing is basically giving myself the best chance possible to hit the ball really, really hard as consistently as possible and also doing that out front. So I did a really, really good job last year, I think, of catching a lot of barrels. I was just – the ball was just getting a little deep on me, so a lot of those barrels were, like, to left field, left center. Um, and then he came up and worked with me a little bit, and we cleaned just a minor – just a minor adjustment up with my legs, and I wasn't even trying to pull the ball, and it was just coming a lot more naturally. So that's one thing we're trying to do is uh, just let my barrel play out front a little bit more, uh, but naturally we don't want it to force because a lot of guys will – a lot of guys, you know, they'll start to get pull happy and you'll see them start rolling over and just hooking balls, and that's not what we want to do. So we want my barrel to play out front a little bit more and keep the same barrel consistency that, it, you know, that I know that I can have and that I know I do have in my arsenal. So the the, the good at bats, the barrels, and then just, just having that barrel out front just a touch more. So it's minor adjustments, man, but... I mean, when the pitcher's as good as they are nowadays, it's uh, minor adjustments can mean a world of difference. And, you know, if you look at statistics in my last two or three weeks of the season versus the rest, I, I think it tells a, a big story. Yeah, I've asked this of a lot of guys, I'm going to tell you, over the years, Aaron. I'm just kind of curious from your thought about it. But you have a great season in terms of you're you're hitting the ball great. I mean, you're feeling very confident about your swing and all the things that you're doing, but the results are not as positive. And I'm wondering, because this is a game where literally stats mean everything in baseball. So when you know you're doing everything right and things are still not going your way in terms of hits, how do you handle that mental aspect of the game? Uh, yeah, that was one thing I talked about with my roommate Will a lot, where it's it's a really weird place to be mentally because a lot of the times – uh, you know, if the results aren't there, you want to change something. And, you know, for me this season, I didn't really need to change anything. Uh, I didn't want to do anything drastic. I didn't want to do anything major. Uh, the, the, you know, just the biggest mental part of that when you're doing what you're supposed to do, like if you're hitting the ball hard, you're having good at-bats, you're seeing the ball well, the biggest part is trusting the process, and I don't think I've really learned what that means until the past few years, where it's not about the results, it's about the process, where if you're making the right things, uh, and, you know, obviously the equation, like the parts of the equation have to be there if you're seeing the ball well, if you're on time, if your barrel path is good, you know, you're swinging it, you're swinging at the right pitches. So if all the parts of the equation are there, the only thing missing is the result, you just have to trust the process and just, keep going and controlling what you can control because the results will come. And that's one of the hardest things is just being able to take a deep breath. And, you know, I talked about it with my roommate all the time where he would just look and he'd be like, man, just don't change anything. Keep doing what you're doing. 
And it's such a hard thing mentally because, you know, when you're not having that success, you want to change something. You're saying, oh, something's wrong. And a lot of the times it's just not. You're just getting baseball, and that's okay. Now, I want you to give us your thoughts on this because Kevin made his first trip ever to Haymarket Park this season and came back and told me, you know, because every year we're always told this is the best surface in the American Association. And he came back and said it was everything – Everything that he had been told. So g- give us your evaluation of, of Haymarket Park and its playing surface. Uh, oh, it's it's pristine. Um, I, I mean, it, it's won awards and it deserves it, man. That playing surface, the outfield is smooth. I mean, that infield, I, I've I played infield a couple games this year and taking ground balls. I mean, that's it's it is a professional park. When you think about a professional surface, uh, it, it really, especially in the American Association, man, it just doesn't get better than Haymarket Park. Let's talk a little bit about Brett Jody. Had a huge amount of success out there in the Atlantic League. Um, this is, was his third year with the club. Um, how, how do you feel he's fitting in here, and just not only with the Salt Dogs, but just overall in the Lincoln community? Yeah, he's um, he's personally been one of my favorite managers I've ever played for. He's a very relaxed guy. He encourages you to be yourself as a player and as a person uh, on and off the field. Um, and he he definitely he he definitely helped me too this year because there was a period in time where you know, like I said, like results weren't going my way, and I started to get down on myself a little bit and really frustrated with myself. Uh, to the point where it was impacting my at-bats to where I, I started to get myself out. Um, and when he noticed that, man, he just pulled me into his office and talked to me, and he was just like, hey, man, like, you're a good hitter. I still have confidence in you. Like, you're one of my guys. I'm not going to give up on you, especially with the track record you have. So, I mean, just him being able to see that, because I don't think a lot of managers would have, him being able to see, like, I'm doing a lot of things right, and, you know, now I'm starting to affect myself and being able to pull me aside and give me that confidence. And, you know, just him letting me know that he has my back was just – it was a huge sigh of relief. It took a lot of weight off my shoulders at that point in the season. So he's he's been awesome, man. I've loved playing for him. He's a really cool guy. Um, I mean, that's that's a guy that I would absolutely be happy to go back and play for next year too. Aaron, talk to us a little bit about you, you had that monster year in 2020 in the Pecos League, and that got you a lot of attention, getting you into the American Association where you've been an excellent player here so far. And is it is it a hard transition coming out of the Pecos League to the American Association? Is there a kind of a stigma on that? What, what was your impression or the, the feeling that you had coming out of that league and joining the American Association? Yeah, uh, there's there's definitely a little bit of a stigma around the Pecos League. Um, you get a wide range of players there. There are some really, really good players in the Pecos League. Um, and, you know, not trashing anybody. Uh, the, the floor is a little lower than most other leagues a little bit. Um, again, like, that's not trashing anybody like the just massive amounts of respect for anybody that does play in the Pecos league. Cause that's a grind, man. Um, but there's a little bit of a stigma and there's, there's a little bit of kind of a preconceived notion coming out of there that you, you know, kind of, kind of go around with a chip on your shoulder a little bit. But uh, I mean, I'm thankful that I've been able to prove myself in this league a little bit. And um, 
there's definitely a little it's, it's definitely a little different in the American Association. The standard is higher, uh, the ceiling is higher, the floor is higher, and I mean, especially this year, man. Like this is this is bare minimum double A baseball now in this league. I mean, it's it's freaking good, man. So um, I, I'm so blessed to be able to play in this league and just represent and share my faith in Christ uh, through the baseball field at, at such a level like this. It's it's so awesome, man. I'm so blessed, but. The American Association has been a blast and, you know, praying that I only continue to climb up the ladder because I have faith that not only can I be a, a good American Association player, I can be a good, you know, major league player one day and that's what I'm fighting for. But, you know, being able to start all the way from the Pecos, it's it's very humbling because, you know, I don't forget where I came from and being able to grind all the way up here has honestly been a blast and a roller coaster that not a lot of guys can say. And I'm 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 able to say that, you know, I know where I came from and I did come from that. And, you know, I was, I was able to climb all the way up here from, from all the way down there. Now, Aaron, you've done uh, three years in the American association. So you probably have a good read on this. What is your favorite ballpark on the road to play in or just to visit? Oh man. Um, that's tough because there's there's cities I like that I don't feel like I play well in, and there's stadiums. So like the Chicago Dogs, uh, what is that? Impact Field. Love the stadium. Love the city. Uh, I I feel like I suck when I play there. Um, oh man, I love Gary. I put if if I have to pick one. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Kansas City. I think I play really well in Kansas City, and I like that stadium. Um, and I think I'm picking that purely based off of just how I play there. I, I, th I think I hit really well there, and maybe it's just Kansas City in general because they're normally one of the best and their team is loaded. But I, I just feel like I'm at my best when I'm playing Kansas City, and that includes at their place too. But, I mean, there's some places that are just – I love it. Like, I feel like I play really well in Gary too. Um I've I've always felt like I hit well in Lincoln uh, until I played there. Lincoln was one of my favorite road ballparks to go to. Um, but yeah, I, I I think if I had to pick one, I would go Kansas City. Now I missed out on this when I did my road trip there, and I'm regretting it. And I want to go back now just to try this out. My question for you: Have you had a Runza sandwich? Oh, I haven't. I've heard good things about it, though, but I, I didn't. I was not able to get there. I didn't hear about it until late in the season, and I wasn't able to get there. But I've heard really good things. So if you're back there, you, you should definitely hit it up. Okay, I don't feel bad now. I'm not the only one that missed out on this. <laughs> and my other question, you've played for the Apollos, the Doc Hounds, the Canaries, the Salt Dogs. But can you describe what it was like for one night in your baseball career in June that you got to play as a Swift dog. <laughs> that stadium was electric. There was, I think the, the official attendance was like 9,700 or something like that. That was cool because that was the first time I've played in front of that big of a crowd as the home team. I've played in front of crowds that big when I was the away team. Um and the, the first time I can remember that was actually when I was in Apollo, my first weekend there. We played in Kane County on a weekend, and I, I literally remember they walked us off. And I remember walking off of the field and going, that's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium. So 
I I would say it was it was really cool. Um, I liked the jerseys. I thought the promo was super cool. The stadium was really loud, and having having a stadium stadium like packed like that with that many fans and also that loud for the team that I'm playing for instead of the team that I'm playing against. That was kind of the first time for me, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I would I would say it's definitely going to be one of my favorite memories. I imagine that's got to put a little bit of a charge in you, too, going out on the field and just wanting to perform that well in front of that many people. Yeah, yeah. it was, uh, And I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord gave me a pretty good day. I had a walk, had a hit, run scored in there. So uh, it, was, it was fun to be able to contribute to winning that day as well. But it was um, – yeah, it was like you said, being like having that desire and that a little bit extra fire to go out and play in front of like that that many people to be able to perform well. That was that was something that I haven't really got to experience in my life until then. So I was I was thankful for that. Well, let's look a little ahead to next year, uh, Aaron. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Well, first of all, what are you doing in the off season right now? What, what, what's going on with Aaron Takis these days? Yeah, uh, so right now I'm just working a little bit and training. So I'm, I might be playing winter ball in the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico. That's still kind of a last-second thing, trying to figure out if I'm doing that. Um, but right now I am just training. Uh, my strength coach, Ray Lynch, down here in Florida, uh, shout-out to him. He's helping me out in the gym, writing programs for me, giving me workouts. I'm going to be hitting with Kevin Kaminsky. There's a local high school uh, Oviedo High School, I help coach it, and they also let me get work in there. They have a great pitching machine and everything. Uh, and then just working a little bit, me and my family own some property uh, out in Texas, and we're expanding a little bit, so I help manage that. But uh, if winter ball doesn't work out, there's a really awesome organization called the Asian Breeze, where professional Japanese players come over and play spring training games in March. Uh, I did that last year. We played against the Angels, the Dodgers, uh, the Padres, uh, the Royals, and so that's a really cool, op- cool opportunity to go perform in front of uh, affiliates, in front of MLB organizations, and I actually played very well there last year um, and got a couple contacts there. So if I don't play winter ball, I'm going to go back out to that, and also um, they asked if I had any couple other friends. So hopefully I'll be able to get some teammates out there with me this year, but um, nothing crazy, man, for, for the off season, uh, just growing in my relationship with Christ and, uh, getting ready to be, be the player I know I can be next year. I think it's going to be a really good year for me and me and my strength coach, Ray Lynch and my hitting coach, Kevin Kaminsky, we have some really, really good plans this off season to where, uh, I think we can elevate my game to the next level next year and, uh, really, really expand the ceiling of, uh, how good I can be as a player, and uh, I, I think I can. I think I can really be 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 up there and, and reaching up there next year. At this time of the season, you know, no, nobody's really playing right now, and and you're trying to get looks from major league organizations and say, well, what can you do to try to get somebody to give you a shot to come to spring training somewhere? Um, that's a good question. So the, the organization I talked about, the Asian Breeze, is a really good way to do it. I've developed a good relationship with them, so I am very thankful that God put them into my life. Um, so I, that's one way to do it. Another way is just through connections. So one of the old travel ball organizations I played for back when I was in middle school and high school, uh, BPA, Baseball Pros Academy, I'm not even sure if they're a thing anymore. The guy that ran it uh, is... 
he's been working with MLB organizations for a while now. He's in the White Sox organization. So it's all just through connections. Um, but my basic plan is I know that MLB organizations are scouting American Association games all the time. Um, last year, they're going to continue to do it next year. So my – uh, my personal plan is to get noticed by an MLB organization is to be undeniably better than everybody else. Um, <laughs> a lot easier said than done, like that's it. for sure, but the, the the best way to do it is just be better than everybody else, and uh, that's that's what I'm working toward, towards next year is, is just um, just to stand out. So, so the reality is for now is that you ha- you just have to wait for the season to get underway next year, and then that's your opportunity to notice. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be able to talk to some MLB organizations a little bit, like with from last year. Like I'll be able to talk to the Padres a little bit. I talked to them over in the spring training games that I played. Uh, the Brewers a little bit as well. Uh, the White Sox guy. Um, I- I'll talk to them a little bit over winter, but not much really goes on during this period of time. Most guys are just at home with their families and just kind of it's a low level. So it'll start kicking up uh, in 2024 over the new year a little bit. But, yeah, man, right now it's just pretty much a, a lull and a dead period. But, you know, you just you just got to keep going at it. That's really awesome. Well, Aaron, I have to ask you this, though. So you talked a little bit about your faith here today. So give us your uh... – your favorite parable, your favorite parable from the Bible. How about that? My favorite, my favorite parable, that's an easy one, man. It's the parable of the lost sheep. I actually have it tattooed on my forearm as well. So for those that don't know, the parable of the lost sheep is uh, basically Jesus says is there's a shepherd who has 100 sheep and one gets lost. So he says the shepherd is going to leave the 99 sheep and to go search for the one lost. Um, that's absolutely my favorite parable, and there's a lot of other details in it, but basically the, the shepherd that leaves the 99 sheep for the one lost, and I definitely would say that's my favorite just because it really resonates with me. Um, I'm not a perfect man, uh, just as everybody else. I've made mistakes. I'm a sinful, broken man, and, um, you know, the only reason I have a relationship with Christ today is because of what he did on the cross for me, but also the the reason that's my favorite parable is because, I was the lost sheep, um, and, and I think that really that really hits home and, and kind of pulls at my heartstrings a little bit because I, I was that lost sheep, and Jesus came and found me, and God came and extended his hand and, and pulled me back. And, uh, you know, I, I started a relationship with Christ and gave my, my, my life to Christ, and it's the best decision I could have ever made, but it was definitely one that I, I could not have gotten here on my own. Um, and I have been the lost sheep multiple times in my life where uh, I'm pretty good about running away, man. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good about making mistakes and messing up. But, uh, you know, God doesn't let me go, and I'm so thankful for that. And it's, uh, it's, it's the best thing that is possibly offered because nothing in this world can compare to having a true relationship with Christ. And I'm thankful that he, he pulled me in and – yeah, that's. Uh, I would. I would definitely say a favorite favorite parable is the the ninety nine sheep. That is awesome. Well, Aaron, you know you've been on the show once before, so you get to know that uh, our guests always give us a final thought. So, whatever you'd like to talk about, the floor is yours. 
Yeah, I got a couple of questions for you guys. So, uh, oh, okay, great. For you guys, yeah, yeah. I would say first question for you guys is what do you what do you see for me next year? What do you guys think? Uh, what and I'll leave that open ended. Whether that's statistics or like maybe if I go to a new team, I was going to say what do you what's your guys' bold prediction for Aaron Takis next year in twenty twenty four. You want to take that first, Kevin, or you want me to jump on that? Well, I'm going to do what I do best and just dance around questions, but I will say this, that <laughs> it's going to be your fourth full season in the league, and from what I've experienced with guys that have been around this league that long, that they do evolve from just being a player to being a uh, main cog in whatever team they land on. So I I see you evolving from a guy that's working on his game to being a leader for if you're back in Lincoln with the Salt Dogs. And not only working on your game, but being a mentor for younger players also that are breaking in. Now, I don't mean to put pressure on you like this, Aaron, but... Um a guy that Kevin and I got to watch uh, who came in and had some very solid offensive numbers was Max Murphy in St. Paul. And um, then all of a sudden goes to Winnipeg and out of nowhere (laughs) comes this unbelievable power hitter. You know, I mean, guy could arguably be the best power hitter in the league right now. Um, and, And it, and I think as Kevin is saying is, you know, he had a couple of years in St. Paul where he had very solid offensive numbers, very good, had a couple of seasons over 300, but the power numbers were never really like that kind of thing. He was, he was a guy who was, got on base and stole bases and was an excellent outfielder and, and now has just uh, taken his game to an entirely different level. And I think what happens in the American Association, as Kevin said, is, is that guys – get pitched a certain way for a little while and then they start to make adjustments and then they find whatever that was and they start killing the ball, you know, and I could totally see you as a, whether you hit 25 home runs, I think is what we're going to wait to be seeing, but I could totally see you, especially if whether you stayed in Lincoln, the park, I think is going to have some impact. But one thing I think you've shown, especially talking about how well you've hit well in Gary, that's probably, I've never, I don't think on the seven years of Kevin and I, having the show that somebody said one of my favorite parks to hit in is Gary was to start with that right off. So it's that you're hitting well there says your game is set for you to be a solid hitter. if not an outstanding hitter, no matter where you go. So to me, I know there's no doubt that you're going to wind up somewhere in the American association. If that's, if, if you're not an affiliate ball somewhere, because you've proven to be a guy that a lot of teams can depend upon. So, um, you're definitely a good fit for 12 teams in this league for sure. And it could be 14 we're hearing for next year. So definitely be a spot out there for you. Oh, yeah, we are here, and there might be two team additions. What have you guys, what have yes, you guys yes, heard yes, about that? I'm, cu- I'm curious. You guys have an inside scoop with this stuff. What have you guys heard? Uh, well, I've heard nothing. So, but it is curious that the schedule's not out yet when every other – partner league team has come out with theirs or is coming out with theirs, which invariably means by the time the show goes on the air, they'll release the schedule. Yeah, it'll be tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, (laughs) that's the way 
That's the way things, we got to tell you, Aaron, that's the way the things work in the league. We record the show on Monday night, and then I post it up Tuesday morning, and at like Tuesday at 11 o'clock, they'll have some huge announcement. <laughs> so so it, it seems to be always you this way. But um, we're, we're here. so what I've heard so far is that it, it could very well be four teams joining the league next year, but it will very likely be two for sure. So um, where those are going to be at, that's still being held pretty close to the best. There was an article out that Kevin showed me a little bit ago about uh, Murfreesboro, Murfreesboro in Tennessee is building a brand-new ballpark look, that, that's going to be an American Association team. I am assuming that's not going to be for next season. That's probably going to be 2025. But, um, you know, they're going to expand in Tennessee. How about that? <laughs> so uh, I, I think you're going to be probably within the next – Four years, I, I could very well see a 18 or 20 league team. Team league, I mean, 18 or 20 team league. So that would next year, two or four for sure. That would be pretty cool. All right, what's your I've next heard, uh, <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. Teams. All right, no, no, you're good. I was just saying I've, I've heard a couple teams uh, might be coming next year, so I was wondering what you guys heard. Last question for you guys. I'll swing it back, maybe cheating a little bit. I was going to ask if you guys have a favorite parable as well. Oh, right on. Okay. Um, or if see, you that's don't a very do a good parable. If, if you don't want to do a parable, I'll also accept just a favorite Bible story. Okay, so you should first of all know, Aaron, that I just graduated with my doctorate in Bible exposition in May. Okay. Nice. So, um, so I'm going to say that, um, let's see, my favorite Bible story. Um, I would say is there's a lot of them out there that I really like. I, you know, one I think that is really kind of humbling to me, um, to remind me that God can use very broken people to do absolutely amazing things is when God first comes to Moses and tells him, to go and speak to Pharaoh. And what I love about that story is two things. If you get Moses giving him every excuse he can about why he's not the guy. You know, he stutters. Nobody's going to listen to mm -hmm. him. Who is he to be going out there? And God keeps telling mm -hmm. him, hey, look, I got you. Don't worry. I, you know, you're you're going you're gonna to be fine. You know, and eventually he tells him, hey, Aaron will speak for you. You just go, you know, go, go and do what I'm asking you to do. And, and I, I love the concept of, you know, even when we're thinking God's got no plan for us, he, he's, he's making something happen. And, and the best part about that for me personally is when God tells Moses everything that's going to happen before he even gets there. And when everything happens, just as God said, Moses doesn't come back to him and say, you got to do something else because Pharaoh's resisting me. He always knew that God's plan A always works. And so there's never a plan B. There's never a need for a plan B. And if, when you have faith in plan A, plan A always comes to be reality. That's what I would say. Does Kevin have a favorite Bible story? Uh, I, I think you... you, you you, you you took the words out of my mouth, Rob. I was going to go with that <laughs> right. one. So let's go in it. Let's yeah. go in it. That's fantastic. <laughs> that was 
was good. All Very right. well spoken as well, Rob. That was that was really good, man. I appreciated you answering that. Thank you. Thank you very much. So is that our final thought then for tonight, Aaron? Yeah, I think that's all I got for you guys. <laughs> well, right on. Well, Aaron Takis, thanks for joining Kevin and I this week. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is an awesome opportunity, and I love doing it, guys. Thank you so much. Well, Kevin, great having Aaron on the show, and, uh, man, I'm looking forward to what he's got going on in 2024. You know, a guy like that, too, like, we, you know, we said he's – had three full seasons in this league, and one of which was that's just going to toughen anybody playing 100 games on the road. I just think that you know if he's back in Lincoln or if he's elsewhere in this league, it's going to he's going to provide a provide a vital part of a ball club. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and he's one of those kind of players that can do so many different things. For he can play all over the diamond. Uh, can hit for average, can steal bases, can get on base a lot, starting to show a little more power for himself this past year. And, and again, uh, Lincoln is not the easiest ballpark to be hitting in. And so uh, hitting home runs out of there, if you had seven, um, that, that's that's a pretty good start, almost double his, his season high from a pre- any previous year. So um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for great things out here. And I, I like a guy coming in with a lot of confidence looking to set a, a mark for himself. So, you know, Kevin, it's one of those things, too, is what we we see a guy, you know, three, four years, as you were talking about, all of a sudden turn the corner and then, so to speak, and then become, you know, one of the most feared hitters in the league or a guy that, that teams just absolutely know can turn a game around for, against them. And, and so um, Aaron could be that guy. And uh, Lincoln definitely is going to be looking for some offense because that, that was one area where they really did struggle a little bit last year. Yeah, it was very very inconsistent. You know, there'd be, you know, I take, for example, I was in Sioux City when they were down there after the All-Star game, and they dropped the first game, but the offense looked really good the next three nights, and they took three in a row from Sioux City, and then you think, okay, this team's ready to roll, and then just like that, the offense stopped. I'm interested in your thought about this, Kevin, because clearly that bullpen was the reason this team did not make the playoffs. And I'm not looking to single any one guy out because it wasn't one guy. Okay? There were many that had a tough season. But Stephon Moore, we saw at the first half of 2022, was just untouchable. And Matt Cronin has proven to be a dependable reliever, a guy that can get a lot of outs in, in this league. and. Devin Kahn looked very good at times this season. If you're Brett Jody, do you give those guys another opportunity because you know that they've got the arms? Or do you say, hey, I, I can't take this risk because i I got to find somebody else? Well, I think that's up to Brett Jody and what he feels he has in those guys if he feels like he sees something in them which they can – turn it around and have a good bounce back season or if he feels like he's seen enough from them where he doesn't think so and it may just be best for the player to start somewhere fresh. Yeah, I I think that's going to be one of the more interesting aspects this offseason because I could 
I, I, I don't know Brett Jody enough. I mean, I haven't seen enough of what kind of manager he is in this respect. But, you know, you and I have seen some managers that are diehard loyal to guys that have been with them for a couple of years. And we'll, we'll ride that guy believing that he's going to, he's going to, this is going to be the year, you know, that's, they're going to figure it out and they're going to be fine. And I'm fine with that. Okay. That, that's, that's where you're at. You're, you're believing in your guy. Okay. Um, but I also, we've seen some managers who said, you know what, it, it's year for year. You got to prove yourself every single year. And what you did for me yesterday doesn't mean squawk to me now. So it'd be interesting to see what, what kind of guy Brett Jody is. If he says, this has been my guy for a couple seasons, I'm going to depend on him and I'm going to go back to him again, believing that he's going to deliver for me, then I think you're going to see Stefan Moore get another shot with this club to really prove his worth. Um, but if Brett goes, you know, I, I feel kind of on the hot seat and I've got to have a winning season this year, um, I, I could see a complete overhaul of that bullpen. So it should be a very dynamic choice of, of what happens for this club. But uh, I would not be surprised for t- to see him, Kevin, go for the complete overhaul. Um, it, the arms are great, and you hate to have that guy wind up on another team where they get it right. But, uh, man, in that division, you don't have time hoping somebody's going to come through for you, it seems like to me. Well, you know, you got a guy as, you know, uh, Stefan Moore's guy as, as live with an arm as anybody. Maybe it's going to take him going to a different team, working with a different pitching coach, pitching in a different ballpark to find something else that he needs in his game to make himself the, a more complete pitcher. Well, Kevin, let me ask you about this. One of our favorite guys, Nate Sampson, Came back, had a very solid year for Lincoln. Is there a is there a twenty twenty four that Nate Sampson is playing in the American Association again? Well, I think that's up to Nate Sampson. You know, having a guy out in the field with that much experience, it's it's almost like having an extra extra guy on your coaching staff. So, I you know I just I guess it's up to Nate just to see how much he's feel like feels like he has left in the tank. I hope that he's back because, uh, like I said, a guy that I just absolutely love Nate and uh, would love to see him back in, in uniform uh, for next year. So it's still, still a little shocking to not see him in that Sioux City Explorer uniform, but uh, such is baseball these days. Well, Kevin, I don't think yeah, there's uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there's – there's not a lot of um I don't want to call it loyalty, but there's just not a lot of guys that just play the that whole career with one team thing regardless of what level you're on. So it was definitely a shock when Samson moved on to the South Dogs from Sioux City, but you know, stuff happens. When you yeah. think about it, um one of the most recognizable players in Sioux City history also was Michael Lang and yep. the only championship he won one was during his half season with St. Paul. Yep, you're 100 percent correct. So guys are going to chase um, where the championship or where the money or where the best opportunity is for them, and um, and so you can't fault him in any way, especially a guy who's in his 30s and still wanting to to stay in the game that he's 
been playing probably since he's been five or six years old. So, you know, I, I, I totally get that. Well, Kevin, not a lot of other exciting news going on around the American Association or around independent partner league baseball, whichever term we're using today, uh, altogether. Um, I, I know a lot of players were returned back to um, contracts that they had in Mexico. We should say that Lincoln did technically reacquire Stefan Moore after he was traded to Gastonia for the final couple of weeks of the Atlantic League season. So maintaining the rights, that's the important thing for that. It doesn't necessarily mean he'll be back with the club, but it means that his rights will be retained by the team for, for next year, and then they can decide whether they want to re-sign him or not. So as Kevin was mentioned out on the show, uh, got a little uh, Major League Baseball is down to some uh, league championship series going on, and we're, I, Kevin's report, reporting to me that Texas looks like they're pretty close to advancing the World Series. So, uh, you were saying uh, our two great broadcast partners down there in Texas are going to be super happy about that. No doubt about it, Brad Allred and um, Dan Vaughn. I've been following the stress they've been going through during the entire series, and I just know that those guys are hanging on every pitch, you know. So I'm watching right now. Bottom of the fourth inning, Texas is up eight to two, but Houston has two runners on with two outs and Jose Altuve up. So I know I know those guys are just some um, being put through the ringer down there right now. So you know, maybe hard to say with the, when these two teams match up. You know, uh, maybe Houston's got a rally in them. So. We'll know more by the time this um, show gets um, out to the public, obviously. <laughs> well, you never know. You can have a 35-inning game. Uh, you, you just never know at this, this day and age. Well, Kevin, I think we're down to uh, shout-outs for this week. And uh, I, I have to tell you that I have a one that, that we, we talk so much about different kinds of people, you know, managers and coaches and players and broadcasters and stuff advancing or, or reaching heights and other levels of, of, of sports out there. But uh, I don't think a guy we have ever talked on this show about is Kansas City Monarchs PA guy, Nate Heron. Um, phenomenal guy, first of all. And I don't know how much time you've had to talk to him, but, but great guy. Um, but Saturday night, I'm in Kansas City for, to broadcast for the Thunder against the Mavericks, and I didn't realize that he was also the Kansas City Mavericks PA guy. But he also told me that he is the Kansas City Chiefs PA guy, which is a big deal, the NFL guy there. And he let me hold his Super Bowl championship ring that he got for being the Kansas City Chiefs PA guy. And uh, that was pretty impressive. So uh, my shout-out to Nate Heron for coming out and hanging out with me for a little bit before Saturday night's game. And uh, I'm glad to see that in every aspect of of, or of uh, American Association Baseball, people are thriving out there in other areas. So that's my shout-out for this week, Kevin. My shout-out is going to go to whatever I ate that spurred my imagination to have the craziest dream the other night. I try. Oh, I got to hear this dream now. Okay. Well, this is the reality that led up to the dream. My wife's cousin 
and her husband or their family were at the Minnesota Wild game on Saturday night in a suite. My wife and I were also at the game. So we ended up um, meeting up with them, and Amy and I were in the suite the rest of the game with them. These folks are from Marshall, Minnesota, which is only an hour and a half from Sioux Falls. So I was talking to them about the Sioux Falls Canaries and just sports the sports scene in Sioux Falls. Okay, fast forward to whatever. Uh, to dream time for Kevin on Saturday night. I had a dream that my family and Amy's cousin's family all went on vacation together to Sioux Falls and stayed in an Airbnb. Well, I found out while at the Airbnb that there was going to be an outdoor hockey game played at the birdcage. Mind you, this is in the middle of summer. I come home, drop the wife and the stepson off, drive back out the next day. I walk into the birdcage, and I see the boards, and in those boards was just standing water. There are no lines painted. Just you can see the field underneath the water. And as I'm walking the through the grandstand, I hear Randy Preston, voice of mind you. You talk about um, talk about what you saw in Kansas City. Randy is now the voice of not just the Canaries, not just the Sioux Falls Stampede hockey team, but the Augustana Vikings NCAA men's hockey team. So congratulates, congrats to Randy on that. Randy makes the announcement. Due to some mechanical issues, <laughs> the game has been delayed. So I'm still walking. I make the trip up to the press box, and then by the time I got to the press box, I'm walking in, I see Tanner Hoops, I see a couple other folks, and Randy, and they just all look at me, yeah, you wasted your trip. There's not going to be a game. And that was my dream. So whatever caused me to dream that, um, thank you. It was a pretty odd night of sleep on Saturday night. That uh, I, Do we need to bring in a therapist to analyze that dream? Hey, maybe we're going to have... Uh, Somewhere where they can make it happen, maybe we could have an American Association sanctioned outdoor hockey game at some point. <laughs> I like it. I think that's a great idea. So, and if we're so we're looking for the, we also could be looking for the official uh, therapist of this week in the association. If somebody's willing to uh, donate a little time to us out there, well, maybe that's available. You know what? You know what, Rob. Think about this. There are so many hockey players out there. Could we ever get to a point where there's so many players looking for leagues to play in? And you know we have the AHL, ECHL, so like AAA, AA. Yeah, the Southern Pro Hockey League, which would be single A. Could we ever get to a point that maybe we could have, we've seen it with the Northwoods League, 
where they're going to have a fast-pitch softball league, too. How about an American Association of Hockey? Mull on that for a little bit. I think that is a heck of an idea. I, I think that would... That would definitely be something. Why can't the league do that? And, and what's face it is, is that uh, Mr. Schaub out there has some uh, experience in managing other type, or com- being commissioner for other types of sports leagues out there with his role in, in indoor soccer. So he might want to venture out to a little hockey. Uh, you know, we, we might have to pitch that to him. Well, you know, Josh also, I believe he was a commissioner of the beauty league in. Minnesota, which is um, a league of minor minor NHL and college guys that play in the summer. So I, I can tell you, Josh is no stranger to hockey. <laughs> Josh yeah. is a very knowledgeable hockey guy. So, you know, they'll throw you in the, in the way back machine. Way back in 1992-93, before the Northern League started, there was a league in – it was based – I don't know technically where it would be based, maybe St. Paul, but it was all teams. I think Fargo had a team. There was a team in Hibbing, a team in St. Paul. But they tried to start what was basically an independent league, hockey league. Well, it ends up the there just wasn't enough money behind it, and the league just didn't last a season. But it did make it a little bit tough for when the Northern League started that same summer that the sponsors that sponsored this league that didn't make it through the year, they were a little bit hesitant to sponsor some upstart baseball league also after being burned by having a hockey league go up in flames half through the year. But, you know, you just never know. American Association of Professional Hockey... Yep, I I think that would be a, a heck of a plan. We're going to have to pitch that to Josh. We're going to have to say, man, come on, let's get a little hockey going. You know, because if you think about it, this week in the association would just flow all year without any problems whatsoever. You know, just right into hockey and then right back into baseball. Man, we, we'd always be going we'll, on. How about that? And when you look at it, the Chicago Wolves are already kind of doing that with the way they've – put their team together where it's all guys that are minor league free agents or minor league rookies. And I know, you know, once again, it looks like they're going to have a very good team. You just kind of wonder if you had a league like that, granted, you know, where do you find the buildings to play? And I know there's a myriad of issues with it, but you know, just spitballing stuff. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe it could work out. So we're not going to call that a dream. We're going to call that some kind of prophetic vision that you were given there. And uh, so we need to be we, we need to be looking ahead to uh, w- that you saw the, the the big the big vision ahead for us here. So I'm liking it. That's pretty cool. Well, right on. Well, Kevin and I want to thank Aaron Takis for joining us this week. Uh, next week, we'll continue on back with our series. We're going to have Max Murphy on here in a week or two, so I'm pretty excited about that when he gets back from his trip to Mexico. Then uh, he can share with us 
covering in, uh, what vacation is like in Mexico, plus playing down there uh, with Fargo and talking with a little Winnipeg Gold Eyes baseball as well. So we got Max for a whole series of stuff to talk about there. So that should be pretty cool. I'm liking it. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.